0: guys, welcome back to the DabbleCo podcast. I am here today with Lauren Mackler. She's the CEO of CoFertility, which is a new company that we're going to talk about a little bit today. But um, Lauren was formerly in healthcare, but actually worked for Uber. And we're going to talk about how she went from there to where she is now and just that whole journey and her medical things that that got her to where she is now. So Lauren, thanks for coming and thanks for talking.
1: Thanks for having me, Claire. I'm so excited for this chat.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so this this is so interesting. So you used to work for Uber, but you were on you started like the healthcare side of Uber. So
1: can you tell us about that? Yeah, I would love to. So um, I joined Uber in the early days. Um, So I joined in July of 2013. So Uber was only in 12 cities at the time, and. Uh, I had friends who thought I was crazy for going to work at a taxi company in their mind, right. um, but I, I I had faith that it was going to be something compelling and and would be worth the worth the move. But um, in the early days, I I was launching new markets across the East Coast, and um, at the time we were putting on different campaigns to surprise and delight our our users and. Um, I suggested that we do on-demand flu shots, where uh, which Love is it. what we ended up doing. So for one day only, you could press a button in the app and a nurse would come to you and give you a shot. Um, and what was interesting about that was like, what happens when you bring care to people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, social determinants of health, transportation is absolutely a barrier to care. Um, and that campaign was wildly successful for a few years running, um, but it led me to research that showed that you know millions of people miss a doctor's appointment because they have they don't have access to a reliable ride. And I right. felt like Uber had reliable rides and Spades. And so, um, how do we connect those dots? And and um, after digging in on it, I realized it was like you know let's put the requesting of the rides in the hands of a healthcare provider so that people who don't normally have transportation access can can get there. And so. Um, in 2017, I I pitched a business line to the the Uber executive leadership team that's now called Uber health and it did exactly that still does today. So, um, it gives healthcare organizations the ability to request rides on behalf of their patients, um, without using a smartphone or or needing a credit card. So, um, built that business launched in 2018. It's since served, you know, millions of people getting them Mm -hmm. to the care they need and got me kind of hooked on having impact at scale, uh, during that time I had a, a personal experience that made mm-hmm. me feel even more connected to the mission that I'm working on now um, which is one where you know I, I woke up one morning with a pain in my side and knew that something wasn't right and, and pushed for diagnostic testing from my doctors and ultimately um, it was found that I, I am one of fewer than 200 people on the planet with an incredibly rare abdominal disease that I had masses just like growing throughout my abdomen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was question as to whether or not I'd ever be able to have a biological child. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had to have multiple surgeries to like remove the disease, but you know, again, this question of like, how will I build a family someday? I knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, I looked into egg freezing and it was decided that just because of how rare my disease was that um, maybe I should look into egg donation as an option instead. Uh, And I did look into it. And, you know, at first I was um, surprised at what I found and, and when I can share more about that later, but my sister decided to freeze her eggs and donate them to me in the event that I needed them later. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, you know, incredibly thankful for that. And I I got to go through, you know, three major surgeries, knowing that I had those eggs there waiting for me, should I need them? And Mm -hmm. then later when it was time to like, try to conceive again, I knew I had those eggs there waiting for me. And my doctor had said, if you don't get pregnant after six months, like come in, we'll talk about using those eggs. We'll figure out what we need to do. And on the sixth month I got pregnant without any intervention. Yeah. Um, and, you know, got very lucky and, and now have a, a beautiful 17 month old daughter um, without using my sister's eggs. And so, um, you know, immediately after I gave birth, I had this like clarity of like, wow, I have to build something in reproductive health. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what, um, but I knew that I had to go in that direction. And, I, and egg donation stuck out to me as this, area of fertility that just like needed new eyes. It needed to be refreshed. It needed to like not be so antiquated. Um, and my wheels had been turning and I got, it's so crazy. I got a DM on Instagram from, uh, Mm -hmm. Hallie Tecco. And I know Hallie, um, is a a friend of yours and has been on your podcast before. Um, and Hallie and I knew each other peripherally from like the health tech scene. Um, but, We're certainly not on a DMing basis at that point. And so I was sort of like, oh my God, Hallie, Hallie DM me. Like, what is she, what does she want with me? And it turned out she had heard that I might be starting a company and was interested in investing. And I I had no plan at the time of like what that company could be. And so we ended up talking and she actually pitched me on the idea that we're now, we've now launched um, because it was an idea that she had been sitting on for like six years and just wasn't ready to go pursue um, and it just so happens that it's in the egg freezing and egg donation space. And so it just felt incredibly aligned with my background and my personal yeah. history. Um, and we realized her role was not as an investor at all, but was as a co-founder. So what is co-fertility? Like, what is yeah. the idea? What is co-fertility? Totally. So, so co-fertility is a, a new fertility ecosystem that enables women to freeze their eggs for free. Mm-hmm. when they donate half of the eggs retrieved to a family that can't otherwise conceive. So that could be people who are struggling with infertility. It could be gay dads, it could be a cancer survivor who, you know, is ready to have a baby, but no longer has has the ability to do that on their own. Um, or, you know, anybody. Or, yeah, even totally. like yours, they were concerned. Maybe, exactly. yeah, Maybe we shouldn't use your eggs or... Totally. Totally. So um, we offer that. And then for everybody involved, whether it is, you know, the, the donor who we, we call that a, a split member, someone who has uh-huh. you know, gone through our split program where the eggs are split, um, or the intended parents on our family by co side of our business, um, they are offered um, access to a private community where we have education and resources along the way plus the ability to connect with other people who are going through it at the same time.
0: Y'all, let me tell you about my absolute favorite home store of all time, Celadon. So they have everything from dinnerware to pillows, furniture, they even have jewelry. And yes, it's located in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, but their website has everything you could possibly need and they ship anywhere. So Celadon has like a laid back but curated vibe and no joke, almost every piece of furniture in our home has come from Celadon. So if you're in Charleston, definitely stop by or visit them online at celadonathome.com. And because they are awesome, they gave me a 20% discount code, so check them out and use. Use code dabbleco 20 for 20% off. That's Celadonathome.com. Yeah, because it's not super talked about. Like I, I definitely know people who've, you know, used um, egg donation for one reason or another. Like you said, you know, cancer is a big one that I don't I don't think people really even realize, but cancer mm-hmm. and genetic issues. Um, and so how much this might help people understand like why someone would want to do this. So say you're a 30, 35 year old woman who's kind of thinking, okay, I I want a family one day, but I'm not ready. Or maybe you don't have a partner. Or maybe you're, you know, in your place in your career when you just can't do it, but in five years you'll be ready. Yeah. How much does that cost someone to to freeze their eggs and to keep them frozen?
1: Yeah. And this is one of the reasons we wanted to build this company. Um, Egg freezing you know, is proven to be a way for more people to have babies, especially if they start trying later in life. The problem is that it's cost prohibitive. So yeah. on average, and it depends on where in the country you live, it depends on the clinic you go to and on like the medication needed to, as part of your cycle. Mm-hmm. But on average, it's between $12,000 and $20,000 for cash. The full cash like yeah. for the full experience plus storage fees every year, which can be anywhere from like $300 to $1,000 a year. Yeah. And so what's crazy, and we always say this, like technically the best time to freeze your eggs is when you can least afford it, right? The younger you yeah. are, the like higher quality eggs 20s. you have, the more eggs you have, but mm-hmm. it's even harder to afford when you're earlier on in your career. And so yeah. um, that's why we find this this option to be so compelling, right? In that People can think about preserving their fertility with without really worrying about what that cost looks like, um, especially if they're interested in helping another family. Um, yeah. And you know, certainly not something we expect to be for everybody, and that's totally cool. Um, but for people who like, we have many women um, who have come through our program already who've said you know, for years, I always had in the back of my mind, like how nice it would be to donate my eggs to someone. Yeah. I just like never got around to doing it. Or, you know, maybe they weren't really excited about the cash compensation piece of it, which is something that we have heard and, and know can be almost stigmatizing in terms yeah. of like, whether or not someone wants to donate their eggs, which, you know, that's totally up to them too. But like, we're giving them another way to do that. Um, and we're giving them an opportunity to like, preserve their own fertility in the process.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a super interesting concept. And I think one, well, recently, I was gonna say, that's just not talked about quite enough, but it has actually been in conversations more recently, as we're talking about, um, you know, potential laws changing all across, you know, all across America, but particularly in the southeast, and IVF, or these are already made embryos, really have been kind of a at the forefront, I think for the fertility community and gosh, like it's such a, it's just such a difficult conversation because I don't think you can really understand it. I mean, I'm speaking for, you know, even for myself, I don't think you can really understand the emotional, physical burden, financial that comes with any fertility issue, whether it's Mm -hmm. like we said, from a genetic issue or cancer or just, you know, primary or unexplained infertility
1: yeah it's it's really interesting. I think we talk about how women today so so in order to participate in our split program, you need mm-hmm. to be between the ages of 21 and 34 and that's because we're following you know the guidelines set around um, clinically like who is the best candidate to, mm-hmm. to donate their eggs. Um, but what we found is that women in this age group are far more understanding than, ever before around the fact that like, you know, fertility is not something that is just a given, right? Like they, they have an understanding and an awareness around the fact that like infertility affects so many people, one, and two, you know, families are being created today in a more dynamic way than they ever were, right? And that like the LGBTQ community is having more babies and, you know, in order for that to happen, they need to find support and, and help from other parties. Right. And so, um, women going through our program often will say like, you know, my best friend started their family through egg donation and I would love to do that for somebody else. Or, you know, my sister experienced infertility and I would love to help someone like her. Um, we even recently had a, had a woman who, um applied for our split program. She's now um, a member who said that the half of the eggs she was keeping for herself, she was actually going to donate to her sister who had previously had cancer. Um, mm. So there are people who are doing it, you know, for whatever reason motivates them, but much of it is because they have this understanding that um, infertility is is a real thing mm-hmm. that may affect them someday and, and they want to have options. Supplements
0: and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now, so how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorne has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorn product through me when you create your account at Thorn.com slash use slash and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm DabbleCo as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash U like the letter U slash DabbleCo. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. Yeah. What what are some of the obstacles that you guys have faced um, just in terms of, getting the knowledge out about infertility and, and what, you know, what this might look like for women, I I would imagine there are some real obstacles. Um,
1: yeah, I think socially. Yeah. It's really important to us that we are transparent and not at all fear mongering, right? Like we don't want everyone to just be like panicked about their fertility. And that's not something like we never want to come across that way. Um, yeah. we're really clear with women in our program at, at the onset that even to say like, we hope you never have to use the eggs that are frozen, right? Like yeah. that's the hope that you never need to go there. Um, but if you do, you have them, but also the fact that like egg freezing is not an insurance policy either, right? Like that's something that we think some of the other egg freezing companies out there have not done a great job of educating people on, right? That like, yeah you know, it's not a perfect science. And, you know, occasionally there are issues on that front, but we want to make sure everyone who is undergoing the process, because it's not just like an easy thing to do, right? You're giving yourself injections, you're going under anesthesia for a 30 minute procedure, like it's a real thing. So we don't want anyone to go into it lightly. Mm -hmm. And it's just important to do that full education up front. And I think, when you're sharing marketing messages over, you know, Instagram uh, ads or videos or, you know, it's a lot to get across in 30 minutes. (laughs) So yeah, it's a um, very nuanced conversation. Yeah. So we don't rely only on that 30 minute or 30 second ad. Yeah. Um, For us, anyone who goes through our program beyond, they have to, you know, they sign up, but then they fill out a really extensive application um, that, that helps us to get to know whether or not they're a good candidate. But then we have a call with everyone who, who wants to go through it because everyone deserves to have all of their their questions answered. So um, for us, it's like worth the time that we put in to do that, to like right. make sure that we're really transparent and honest up front.
0: I'm thinking about too, gosh, and you said that the key time to
1: freeze your eggs is 21 to 34. And that seems... So that's, no, that's the, the to, to be eligible for donation. So I don't want anyone to think that, like, you can't freeze your eggs beyond that um, because you absolutely can. It's just that's you're eligible to donate.
0: Right. But so there's a reason for that, right? Like, the reason that the guidelines say that is because that is, like, probably the the most ideal time. Yeah. You know, you certainly can freeze your eggs probably until you're in your 40s. I don't even know. but. Um, but just thinking about that, gosh, it sounds so young to be like 22 or 23, but I think about a lot of my colleagues and particularly several of the women that I used to work with in surgery and, um, a friend of mine, you know, let's see if you're going to medical school and you start after college, you might be 23, 24 going into med school. You've got four years of school, you know, then you've got probably four or five years of residency, particularly in the surgery where I was. And. Um, I I had a friend actually that that froze her eggs, and you know, just ultimately decided she had been married, and then um was no longer married, but wanted to have a child. And she's like, I gotta, you know, I'm in my 30s, like this is now's the time. Mm -hmm. I can't wait till I, you know, might get married again. Um, but can you talk about healthcare because I know there's some pretty crazy statistics for healthcare
1: providers specifically. Totally, there was a a study that came out recently that said. Healthcare professionals are twice as likely to experience infertility as the general public. Did they say why they thought that might be? Was there any sort of assumption at the end? So, And and totally, I think, you know, an assumption for sure. But like part of it is what you just stated, right? Is that like you're waiting so long because you're prioritizing the training um, to like actually get started. So age is a huge factor. Um, I think it's fair to say that physicians are stressed and, you know, are, are working so hard that, um, it takes a toll on the body. Um, I think there's also just like this idea of like, yeah, are you resting? Are you caring for your body? At what point are you trying to have a baby? And, and yeah. all of that kind of adds up to, to bring us there. Um, we've found, and, and I should mention like, yeah, we just launched our company, um, in this, this week, actually. So, um, in October, but we did, um, start, uh, with our freeze by co platform, which is where women come who are interested in the split program over the summer. Mm -hmm. And we've actually seen a ton of interest from physicians. And I think it's for this reason, exactly. Right. It's like, they know, and they can plan out year by year, like, where am I going to be for my residency? Where am I going to be for my fellowship? Like they know, what their schedule looks like and when they're going to be able to prioritize having the family, having a family, when they do the math, like the actual process of, of going through egg freezing earlier makes a lot of sense. Um, Fortunately though, it's cost prohibitive. So I think they found our program to be, you know, a a win-win on that, on that front. And that, you know, it lets them, especially clinically, I think they can understand like why other families might need egg donation. And so, um, to help those families and help themselves at the same time is something that's been really appealing for them.
0: Yeah, they they understand the the value truly of being able to get those eggs earlier if if possible. I mean, it's it, yeah. you know I know people hate the term geriatric pregnancy. Like I don't blame them, <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's a reason for that. It's like you're unfortunately. Yeah that our reproductive system, essentially it's like it ages. It's like, it's almost like dog years, if you will. So yes. I mean, wow. I, horrible analogy, but it's, it's sweet. where we are. No, right. It's yeah. true. Like you're your, not, your little wrong. Eggs you're not are, wrong at all. I don't even know if people realize <laughs> that when you're, when women are born, females are born, you have all of your eggs. Like, so your, mm-hmm. your eggs are your same age. So they're getting older and yeah. you got to think about that little egg. That's already been alive I guess ish like in you as a, as a little ball of cells mm-hmm. it's if you're almost 40 it's almost 40 and then it's got to yeah. turn into a baby so that's that's tough so right um oh my god I feel like totally I don't even know where I was going with that but I got when I said dog no. ears I really got off track but, but anyway
1: I don't think I'll forget that analogy honestly that, that so will you, stick with me trade pet trademark <laughs> that like
0: put on your on your brochures. Yeah. Remember ladies, it's like dog <laughs> years. But oh, it's it is so true and it's it's just something that um you know, unfortunately, we have to think about. But I I think the neat thing to me is that it really says so many more women are in these, you know, more stressful or high-powered careers and yeah. they're doing that for longer. More women are breadwinners now or, you know, significant financial contributors to the household. And so, yeah. It's, it's really like a, it's a a good thing in some ways that we're in this position where we would need a a service like this.
1: Right. Like I'm thrilled that more women are like getting after it with their careers. right? Like, you know, I, and I, I'm one of them. Um, And I think that like, if we can find a way to, you know, it's, it's funny ASRM, the um, American Society of Reproductive Medicine came out Mm. with a position that said that like egg freezing can contribute to social equality, like gender equality, right? Like if if yeah. women don't feel we didn't have the to think same, about same, the pressure of their biological clock, like yeah. what can happen? What does that open up for them? What does that unlock? Um, you know, not Truly. feeling like you have to be with this partner that like you have to like find your match just so you can have a baby, right? Or that you can say like, you know what, like I want to go to law school or – I want to travel before I'm ready to have a family. Like what happens when our our bodies can catch up with our ambitions and our dreams? And I think that like science has given us egg freezing and, and it's time that we make it more accessible for everyone. It's pretty unbelievable, right? Like a man, I, I I could
0: be wrong. I'm sure there's a man out there that said this, but what man is ever like, gosh, you know, I really want to be X, Y, or Z career, insert anything, doctor, lawyer, scientist, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Gosh, But I really want to have kids. And what am I going to do? They just don't, they don't have to, they don't have to do that. They don't have to think about it. You know, sure. Maybe they want to get married. And so they, they don't want to be like totally isolated on like a space shuttle I don't know but like so there's maybe the slightest bit of introspection <laughs> right. about that but yeah. like for the most part they can pretty much do whatever they want because it's not yeah. all on them and their literal body you know it's yeah it's just yeah. such a wild concept when you really think about it that you know my daughters I'd that would be so cool you know to say to them when they're in their 20s or in college whatever like yeah. Oh, well, sure. We'll be, we'll freeze your eggs. Like go, do whatever you want. You've yeah, got plenty exactly. of time. Yeah.
1: You just like neat. unlock
0: options. Yeah, you really do. Um, okay. I do wonder, is it ever a weird conversation with women coming through this type of program talking about, and I, you're, this would be an interesting question for your sister, like knowing yeah. your eggs, like you might have biological children. Yeah you know, yeah. running around out there.
1: Do totally. people talk we, about that? Yeah, we have. And our whole team um, meets with with women all day, every day who are interested in in the program. And, and the reason for that, I think it's like important for all of us to stay really close to the member and like hear their mm-hmm. questions and their concerns and their feelings. And um, that does come up. And it's funny, we offer um, different types of... Um, disclosure in terms of the relationship that women have with Mm -hmm. um, intended parents. And the reason for that is like, you know, first of all, anonymous donation is a concept that like we believe based on like the now like ubiquitous nature of genetic tests, right? Like 23andMe, right? 23andMe means that like there truly is no chance of anonymous donation anymore, that might've been possible years ago, but now that that exists, like even if you've never taken a 23andMe test, like if your you know, great uncle took a test, there's a world where someone could get in touch with you later in life just by like relatives, right? So we're really honest with women at the onset of like, hey, anonymous donation doesn't exist. Any egg bank or agency that that tells you that is, is lying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're open about that. We do offer undisclosed donation and disclosed donation, which means you can either share your contact information with the intended parents mm-hmm. um, or not. And that's totally fine. Like we're we're supportive of either option. Um, but the relationship that you could have is on a spectrum. So mm-hmm. um and and that gets laid out in a legal agreement up front. And so mm-hmm. um what's interesting is I, I recently was at an a um an event where this woman told me like I donated my eggs 13 years ago and I get an email once a year from the parents that are just like an update on the life of the child. And it's like really nice to know what's going on in his life, but it's a totally separate life from mine. And it's, you know, that is what it is. There are other people who I I recently spoke with someone who donated her eggs. Yes, I met her yesterday um, and she said, um, she just had a baby and one of the people she donated eggs to has a two-year-old and she dropped off baby clothes for her to use. Right. So you can have like, which is like such (laughs) a different relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's totally different relationship than someone who's getting an email once a year. Right. So, um, or there are people who are like, yep, I get a holiday card once a year, or we've just decided not to have a relationship at all. But if there's ever like a question around, you know, something that pops up with a medical history or, something like that, they have my information if they need to reach out. So yeah, it really is something that is like dependent on the individual. So we're really supportive of both parties, like finding, working with us to establish what that right relationship is. And I think what it comes down to is like, and, and my sister, by the way, thought a lot about it. And I thought a lot about it. Part of the process is having um, a conversation with a psychologist, which yeah. Um, really helps you think through, you know, what am I doing? How do I feel about this? Is this something that sits right with me? Is this something that I can see myself being comfortable with over the years? And like it again just like doesn't have to be for everybody, right? And that's okay, right? Like, this is one of those things where like, if it's not for you, we actually do offer a program called Keep. And our Keep program is for people who either are not interested in, in donating a portion of their eggs. Or maybe they don't qualify. Maybe there's a reason in their medical history or you know, age or something like that, where we'll still work with them to help them find um, an option near them to, to freeze their eggs. We have some discounts that we can offer throughout that process. And we still offer them access to our community where like you can get the support that you need throughout the process. Like, unfortunately, I think egg freezing in general can just be a lonely and isolating process whether you're donating or not so that's important to us to offer on both sides but that's a really a, a great question and um, we're learning every day through, through these conversations but, all, but also through the women we meet who've, who've already donated their eggs before who can kind of reflect on like what the experience has been like for them so it's been it's been great to have those chats
0: It'll be really interesting to, you know, there's this whole generation. How old is IVF? Gosh, 20, maybe, maybe 30 years. Like if that probably more 25 pushing 30. So now there's this whole generation of essentially like young adults. And then we think about these kids that will be born through egg donation. It's like, what does that conversation look like? You know, do we, do we talk about it or are they like, uh, oh, I'm a like IVF. It's just so it's really yeah. interesting. Like, how does that yeah. impact them as adults? And
1: totally, you know, even it's just really interesting to yeah. me. Like, there are now I have some some friends who themselves are donor conceived. So, yeah. um, but in one case, um, you know, found out as a teenager, which I think was a good thing, and that you know they learn that information, but there's even more insight that says, you know, that's something that should be shared with children, you know, when they're old enough to, you know, to, yeah. Like at what point? Not to understand, but like early on, right. So that it's not something that's ever this like shock and surprise. Right. So they're young enough to know I came to be in a way that might be, um, a little bit different. And here's what that looked like. There's like children's books and things like that, that are actually, um, recommended by experts in the space to help someone learn that younger so that they never feel, um, surprised by it later, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that, that does make sense. I, I do wonder, I know it's probably difficult for parents to imagine, having a conversation with a younger child about that, but it your Mm -hmm. daughter's 17 months old. You're not far away from the days where you think they don't really understand or pick up on what you're talking about, but Mm -hmm. it's, they're pretty young when they really start listening and, and paying attention. I mean, like I've got a seven-year-old and talking to friends recently, I'm like, we're talking about, I like. I think we have to tell them about sex. Like, I think we do because they're <laughs> yeah. they're like about to be in this age where yeah. like it's going to come up, and maybe it comes up on the playground or in a movie or whatever. Right. And if I'm not the one to tell them, like you said, like I what mm-hmm. the last thing I want is for them to be like surprised or my God, yeah. like one of their friends to tell them about it or something, right? Like you want to be the expert, and I would I think or tell them like the wrong thing, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> which you know is going to happen um, for a sure. Lot. But it is just—it's interesting to think about, yeah. you know, being. I think the generations now. Let's see. I'm I'm an elderly millennial, and then what's after me? Is it gen? Elderly. Elderly. Yes. In <laughs> fact, that geriatric. I'm a geriatric millennial. Um, but there's so much more openness. I think with even with millennials, and then certainly the generation after me. What is that? Gen. Yeah. Gen Z. Z. And then mm-hmm. is there another one already, or do we know yet? Are they still Gen Zers? Uh,
1: I think they just shared what they're called, but there's got to be another one. Right? Yeah, no, there definitely is.
0: But yeah, there, there's but just so much more of an openness about everything, you it's know.
1: So so true. They are like the most like just a more open-minded generation, right? Like they yeah. accept, you know, that everyone is different and coming from a different perspective, and. Um, people do what's right for them. It's just like a, I don't know. I'm inspired by it. I think they're like more, uh, altruistic. I think they're more just open in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope that is the case for, for our kids as well. You know, yeah. that they like continue on that, that path. Um, but again, I think like what in our role in this whole thing it's like how do we be more than just like a transactional part of the equation and how do we like educate and provide resources and and just like be supportive because i think right now too many people like look for answers in in weird places on the internet um and if we can like create a safe like space for all of these questions that you're really thoughtfully asking like how do we how do we make that possible for people that's the goal
0: okay I'm gonna ask you a question you can also be like uh please cut this out of the podcast but (laughs) I'm so curious okay Okay. so if the women who are in the program okay the women who are coming to freeze their eggs and then they're donating half to a family Mm -hmm. that otherwise couldn't conceive but okay. So then does that family, like, are they purchasing the eggs or like, how does the company make it?
1: So the way that our model works is, um, you could almost think about it as the intended parents are sponsoring the cycle, right? So they pay for the cycle. They pay for the storage of the split member donors eggs, um, for up to 10 years. And they do that instead of paying her donor compensation, which traditionally has been, you know, eight to 20 or $10,000 rather, right? That's the average of donor compensation. So instead of the donor receiving that, she keeps half of the eggs herself, plus Mm -hmm. they get stored for 10 years. We charge what we call like a coordination fee Mm -hmm. that is to, you know, find our, our donors, to facilitate this whole process, to handle the logistics and to do like the upfront screening and evaluation of the split member, Mm -hmm. um, and then to like provide those resources along the way. So it's very much in line with how other players in the space um, handle their model, except Mm -hmm. for the donor compensation piece.
0: Yeah, it goes more towards that person's own reproductive health than just like, here's some cash. So yeah, yeah, that's that's neat.
1: Um, Because you're really
0: protecting them a little bit too.
1: Yeah, I think part of it too is that, like, there there was a study done in 2021 um, at Harvard that said, um, I think, like, you know, over 41% of of donor conceived people were bothered by the fact that donor compensation was involved in their conception. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, is there a way that, like, this model might make some donor conceived people feel? better about the way that they were conceived, one. But two, I think that this actually like opens up, um, you know, right now, like there are not enough donors out there, especially from a diversity standpoint, um, that meet the like, the needs of intended parents out there. So the goal is really how do we get more women interested in donation? And by, taking out the compensation piece, but really bringing their own like fertility preservation into it, our Mm -hmm. hypothesis and like the response we've seen so far is showing that like we can actually make this be something more women are interested in doing in terms of egg donation.
0: Yeah. And, and how do you guys have any plans to help? I know we've talked a lot about just the financial burden of conceiving a child. Um, And I know there it's, it's interesting. So some insurance companies now are helping with the cost of like of, of IVF and Yeah. But um gosh, this is just a whole different world. But is there any plan to have like scholarship spots or, you know, help families that just don't frankly don't have the potentially yeah. six figures to maybe get a surrogate yeah. or go through IVF or whatever that looks totally. like. Totally.
1: So it's something we absolutely are talking about starting in the very near future. Um, but also, we have relationships with um, like fertility financing organizations that can help as well. Um, that make a lot of this um, more uh, accessible. And mm-hmm. then there's also different grants that are offered as well that we can help connect families with um, mm-hmm. to make this more possible.
0: Yeah, there really but, there are a lot of resources. I think people really yeah. just don't don't
1: know about exactly. Uh, and that's part of where we see our role in this is like, how do we make something that traditionally feels like a black box and kind of like, I mean, I think healthcare costs in general, like we could talk for hours on, on that being a black box. Um, I feel really passionately about that, but, um, especially as it relates to fertility, I think there's a lot of like demystifying, um, people in the space can do. And so that's something that we take really seriously in terms of like transparency and information and making it readily available for folks that are going through our programs.
0: Well, Lauren, it was so good to talk to you. Where can people find you and the company?
1: Yeah. So um, you can find us cofertility.com. Um, I, and on Instagram, we're actually, we have freeze at freeze by co. And that's where, if you're interested in freezing your eggs, whether through our keep program or split program, you can find information there at freeze by co. And then if you're interested um, as an intended parent in finding your perfect match, you can check out Family by Co on Instagram. So at Family by Co. Um, and then me personally, I'm at Lauren Mackler and would love to chat or, or talk with anyone who's, who's interested in any part of, part of this ecosystem.
0: Well, thank you for being on. And guys, as always, if you liked the show, please share it with your friends, rate, subscribe. That is how I continue to get good guests. And I'll see you next week.